thousand talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. You see, if you'll notice, he fell down and cried out. That tells me this man was sorrowful, sorrowful for what he'd done. He had true, genuine remorse. But if you will read on this story, this same servant had an opportunity to forgive someone of a debt they owed him. And instead of forgiving them, he cast them into prison. So sometimes are we not sorry for the consequences we've caused, but maybe not sorry for the sin we've committed? How many times has that happened? I've been guilty of it. You know, everything that that comes through me, I promise you, God hits me with it first before I deliver. And so many times, I'm sorry that what I've done caused this, this, and this. I'm sorry for those things, but maybe I'm not really that sorry that I did it. So, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, My grace is sufficient for you. This was Paul talking about an ailment he had, a thorn in his side. He had prayed for it three times. God wouldn't remove it. And God spoke to him and told him, My grace is sufficient for you. Well, this is not just physical that this can be applied, but spiritual also. My grace is sufficient. God's grace is sufficient for our sin. Uh, we don't deserve the forgiveness He gives us, but He's sufficient and, and His grace is sufficient enough to cover those things. But I want you to note, and, and a little saying that God hit me with when I was reading this, is that Scripture reads, My grace is sufficient for you, not my grace is permission for you. Understand what I'm saying? That isn't God giving you permission to sin anytime you want to and say, well, I'm the Almighty God. I can forgive you of everything you do. That's God saying, when you have sinned, when you are sorry for your sin, my grace is always going to be sufficient to cover those sins for you and remove them from your life. But I'm not giving you permission to go live any way you want to live and just come back to me when you want to come back to me and everything be forgiven. 2 Corinthians 7, 9 through 11. You know, this is one of Paul's letters to the churches. Um, it says, Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. For you were made sorry in a godly manner, that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. For godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation, not to be regretted. But the sorrow of the world produces death. For observe this very thing, that you sorrowed in a godly manner, what diligence it produced in you, what clearing of yourself, what indignation, what fear, what vehement desire yourselves, or what zeal, what vindication, in all things you proved yourself to be clear in this matter. That's God saying, because you were sorrowful for what you've done, 
because you had a true repenting heart, because you were remorseful for the things you've done against me, because of that, you are now clear of these things you have done against me. You've been cleared of your sins because you are actually sorry for it. Now, if he's going to go back and do the same thing tomorrow, guess what? He's not sorry for it. Hebrews 10 and 26 tells us, For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for our sins. I'm going to read that one more time. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for our sins. If you know what you're in is sin, you've been convicted that what you're doing is sin, and you continue to keep doing it, this is God saying, look, you're not sorry for what you're doing. If you were sorry for it, you wouldn't be doing it every day. I will forgive you when you're truly remorseful. You know, the commentary in my Bible, and I'll finish with this, to sin willfully, the reference here is not to an occasional act of sin which can be confessed and forgiven, but a conscious rejection of God. To sin deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth is apoxy, and a Christian rejects God's provision. Apoxy, definition, is the abandonment or renunciation of a religious or political belief. So that's telling us if we continue to willfully sin, that's our renunciation of the removal from our political beliefs. I know what's right, I know what's wrong, but I'm going to do what makes me feel good. And the world's eyes, and what this scripture just tells us, is that's us removing ourselves as a Christian. That's not what I want in my life. So let me finish with this. If you're truly sorry for what you're doing, now's the time to repent and to be forgiven of those things. If you're not sorry for the sin that you're living in, if you continue to do the same things over and over and you're not sorry for them, you may fool people. You might even fool yourself. But you're never going to fool God. He knows where your heart is. Amen. Good word. Hey, real quick, I want can I get all the school children to come up here from kindergarten to college? All right. We we're, I know we're going to pray at Faultful tonight, but we do this pretty much every year. We have all everybody come up that's in school, and we're going to pray over you. Y'all stand, y'all stand out here and look at me. Because... Just as it's important for us adults not to go out and do our workplace every day without knowing that we prayed and people's praying for us, you don't need to go to school every day without praying, without your parents. Parents, this is a, a challenge to you, not challenge, but just pray for your children every day. Don't send them out without, you know, if it's nothing more than, hey, you know, angels and camp around about you, no weapon formed against you shall prosper and no harms come now your dwelling. I mean, that's, that's a prayer straight out of Psalms. We can pray that. You can pray that. And pray over them because 
Like Brad said, we know how hard it is. We know how difficult this world is and this life is and how school is. So if you want to come, if you've got a child up here and you want to come pray, then by all means, come on and, and let's join around them and pray this morning that, that God watches over them as they start their school year this next, this next week. Y'all can scoot in some. Y'all ain't got to be scared. Come on in. Amen. So y'all out there, y'all join together. Y'all, y'all point your hands this way, join in and pray, and, and let's pray for these young ones as they start out this school year. Heavenly Father, we come right now, and, and we lift up these young people to you, these young and children to young adults. God, we pray, God, do your anointing over them from young to oldest. And, and, Father, if they're just starting out in kindergarten or they're seniors this year or they're on into college, God, that you touch them right now. Holy Spirit, we ask that you empower them with boldness as they go and walk through the halls of their schools, go into the classes, that, that people will see that they're children of God, that, that they, they're not just, hey, they don't go to church on Sundays, but they are truly children of God. They're ambassadors for you on this earth, and they're put there for a purpose and a plan in their life. And God, we thank you that you show them that, that you give them what they need each and every day. You watch over each and every one of them. Keep them safe as they go in and out their day, travel to and from school and while they're at their school, whichever one it is, Father, that you just touch and you move in their life. Now, we pray for the seniors that are, that are going into their last year of high school. We know that can be a challenging year. Transition's coming, and they know it. God, that you just give them the peace they need. God, that they can make the decisions they need to make each and every day. They can be leaders to the ones under them, examples and light. And, and Father, we thank you for that, God, that you touch and move. You pray for every household that's represented here that, that has children going to school this year. God, that you touch and you move in their lives and you move in their homes, that you bring peace to them, that this will be the best year of school that any of them ever have. God, whether they're homeschooling or, or going to public school, whatever, God, God, that you touch and you move in their, in their life, in their home. God, be with the parents, God, that they can have the patience they need and be with the children, these, these, these young people right here, that they can understand they'll be the best ones in each and every one of their classes. Straight-A students, God, we speak that over them because they have the mind of Christ and the ability of God in their lives. And we thank you for them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you all. Amen. All right. Um, so we'll receive our offering just now. Y'all get ready for that. Amen. That's right. The only other announcement I had, if you was not here last Sunday and didn't know about it, um, then on Wednesday nights, it's our second week, of our motivational gift teaching, and um, Daddy's doing that and done a great job with it. And I was, me and JJ looked at each other one time and smiled because he looked at his watch. He said, I got time because he said 30 to 35 minutes. He's never been one good to hold himself to a consistent time. We all know that. We've all been here. And he'd done good. We was out by 735. And so you still have time to eat in the back. There was still plenty of food. So we done good. It was a good time, and I'm looking forward to this this Wednesday coming up. We run out of packets um, of the questionnaire that you fill out, and so we ordered those last Wednesday night. Hopefully, they'll be here by this Wednesday night. It's what we're hoping. I mean, this you know, as we go on in this teaching, you know, 
if, if they're not here by this Wednesday, then you can pick them up Sunday. I mean, it, it'll, it'll be okay. You still have time to fill them out. So um, read in Romans chapter 12 and, and, um, and come on and learn and grow. And you say, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Well, this is part of this teaching. This is why we come to church, so we can learn, we can grow, and, and we can see what we should be doing to edify the body of Christ even more. So, uh, um, so come on to that. Start at 7 o'clock, and, and we'll, we'll have a good time with that again this Wednesday. And don't forget, as Brad mentioned, tonight at 6, um, if I don't get to speak after the service, Pat's preaching this morning. And, and so, you know, if I don't get to speak again, then tonight at 6 o'clock at Fallville High School. And, and so whatever school you're going to, they're supposed to be holding them at, at, um, at all the schools in Morgan and Lawrence and Coleman counties. Um, first priority is, and they're pushing this, and, and we need this time of prayer over our schools, just like we just prayed over our children here today, our, our young people here. So we need to pray for those schools and the, and the teachers and, and everybody there. All right. Anything else just now before we pray? All right. Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you and we praise you again. We thank you for this time together. God, that you're, for your word that's already come forth this morning, for us getting to uh, the opportunity to sing praises to your holy name and glorify your name again as we prayed in the back this morning that nothing done here would be, would be anything but glorify and honor in the name of Jesus. And that's what we want to do. That's what we strive for each and every day in our life, not just here, but as we go out, that we glorify and honor the mighty name of Jesus with our lives every day. God, we just um, thank you again for this time. God, that you'll be with Pat this morning as he brings the word. God, that you touch and, and God, give him freedom. And, and God, that we open up our hearts and our minds to receive this morning and, and, and equip ourselves to go out into this world and live the life that you've called us to live. And we thank you for that, God. We just ask that you just be with this time of giving this morning. God, you just touch and you bless in each and everyone's life. In Jesus' name, amen. Since just said, snuck out of here again. Wayne, the flowers look good. I tell you every time how, how great they look. So you did a good job again. Again. Gabby told me, she said, you need to tell just said the flowers look good before she leaves. And she's walking out. I said, well, I guess Wayne gets credit for it again. So, but, all right, children, y'all go to Children's Church this morning. Amen. As he comes. Y'all give, give a round of applause. Give God glory and honor and praise as, as Pat comes to bring the word this morning. Come on, brother. Good morning. Good to see everybody this morning. Um, well, good to see you too. We're going to get you awake here in a second. Um, this morning we're going to talk a little bit. The title is Believe, Belief, and Know. Um, so it's kind of self-explanatory. I don't usually make up real catchy 
titles or anything. Everything's always got a meaning. Uh, but, you know, to have a belief, you've got to believe in something, right? And to know something, you gotta have a, you got to believe and have a belief. So we can relate all of it to, you know, what we do every day, what we've done up to this point. Um, you know, when you know something, you can do it just like putting your socks and your shoes on every day, right? It's muscle memory. Everything you're taught up to this point is just repetitive motion. Uh, the world does a great job. I mean, you, professional sports, uh, uh, manufacturing, you know, anything, trades, everything's about doing the same things over and over and over and over again. And I can remember when I was uh, Luke and Cody's age and starting out in the world and working and, and doing different things and thinking, I'm, oh, my Lord, I'm never going to make it. Uh, you know, it's just too much. It's just too much. Too much to remember. You know, it's part of why I didn't go to college much. Uh, it was because I just thought I couldn't do it. It was just too much. But, you know, here at 50, whatever I am, two, one, something like that, um, I look back at it and I realize how far I've came and the things that I've been able to accomplish. Um, even things I was able to accomplish before uh, me and God had a relationship. But even more so after God and I had a relationship. So it's looking at things and, and understanding the difference of, of believing, uh, your belief, and knowing. You know, the Bible says all we have to do is believe, right? Of course, well, we simplify that. We take a lot of stuff away from it. But that's what you hear a lot. All you have to do is believe. But if you believe, you will have a belief. And to have a belief, you'll be doing something, right? Right? If your beliefs are, you're going to follow what your beliefs are, right? I mean, you got to have something that you believe in. There's, there's an action happening, right? Um, you know, so we'll give you, I'll give you a definition, and this is not a biblical definition per se, but it's a definition. Um, belief. So belief's a verb. So believing, you've got to be doing something, right? All y'all ones in school, it's been a while since I've been there, but I, I paid attention every now and then. Uh, there's some stuff that stuck in after 12 years of doing the same thing every day, day in, day out, right? So belief means to have confidence in the truth. So what truth do we believe in? Do we believe in our truth? Do we believe in the world's truth? Uh, do we believe in... Our employer's truth. Do we believe in the president's truth? Do we believe in, uh, you know, whatever political party you're associated with is truth? How many know what the truth is? How many know where to find the truth? Where to get the truth? You know, every survey that's still done, where, you know, they come in, they talk about people that believe in God, uh, talk about religious people, talk about Christian people, Still, every poll ranks people that are believers at a very high percentage. I mean, we're still at 75 plus. Does the world look like 75 plus? So, which tells me that our believer is kind of messed up. Our belief is surely messed up. And we don't really know anything. Right? Right? 
So, I mean, and it's what the church has developed into today. I mean, all the compromises that we've seen happen over the years. I mean, me and my mother used to have uh, some great arguments about uh, church and religion and spirituality. And, and I didn't know Christ. I was just doing it because it's in my blood. You know, we've talked about it before. I like to argue. Whether I'm right or wrong or indifferent, that's just a Fitzgerald trait. So we would spend hours and hours arguing about compromise. And I said, well, Mother, if we compromise God's Word and you see things happening in churches today, then where does it stop? This was before I was saved. So where does it stop? I mean, look at what's going on today. Where does it stop? You know, we flipped on the news this morning and we see Thailand, you know, the uh, United States is trying to help them out, keep them from being taken over by China and so on, or Taiwan, not Thailand, uh, trying to keep them from taking over from China and so on and so forth. But the bullet point of it, you know, of course, that, talking about their diverse culture and traditional culture, and uh, then, it, you know, talked about, uh, um, you know, their, their making of microchips and their leader in this. And, of course, we all need microchips so we can buy our new cars and, and so on and so forth. But really the bullet point of the whole article is that their technology or, or the guy that, uh, you know, that does the media that keeps, uh, you know, Taiwan from being hacked, the bullet point for all of it was he was a transgender. So is that the truth? Is there such thing as a transgender? Is there any truth in any of that? But see, what the devil wants us to do is spend time talking about all these different things and getting aggravated and, and fighting amongst yourself. But the truth is the truth. That's the truth. Where do we get our truth? Where do we stand Do we stand with the truth? God's called us to love. God's called us to, to be peacemakers. But He's called us also to correct. Provoke, encourage, edify. All these things. So, if you love somebody, you're going to correct them, Right? I can tell you my mother and daddy loved me to death almost. <laughs> right? But think about it. I didn't really understand it. I thought they were crazy and just mean and trying to mess up my, my way of life and my living. But really and truly, uh, they did it out of love. And I didn't understand it fully until I had kids. Right? I mean, so we do the things we do out of love. So do we not love one another? Do we not love the ones in our country? Do we not love our neighbors? Do we not love our communities? Do we accept or do we encourage? Do we stand against or do we stand with? Or do we do like a lot of folks where we just don't say anything? Right? So I'm gonna, I found a quote, and of course I wish I came up with it. I wish I was that smart, but you know I didn't. I don't even know where I found it. But it says, intentions don't define our lives. Decisions do. I mean, how many of us had great intentions? How many of us going to read the Bible in a month? How many of us done it? Right? I mean, we always say, well, I'm going to give this, or I'm going to do that, or I'm going to do, and then there's always something comes up. So again, I mean, it's, it's an understanding what we believe in. There's nothing out here for you to believe in. There's nothing individually for us to believe in wholeheartedly. We can believe, but it can't be our belief. 
we can't depend on each other. I wish we could, but at the end of the day, we're all going to fall short. But the one thing we can depend on is God's truth, God's word. Everybody talks about, well, you know, God doesn't talk to me. Well, then you're not reading the Bible. You're not. You're not reading the Bible. You're not listening to any gospel songs. You're not going to church. You're not watching it on Facebook, Twitter, whatever. You're not, you're not engaged. You're not involved. I mean, I wish God would, would write things on the wall, you know, in big black marker for me. But think about all the things that people have gave you. Think about all the things in life that, did you have an appreciation for it? I mean, think about your kids. So we was at the lake uh, last weekend. Bradley had some issues with his boat, and it's putting out a bunch of smoke and, you know, everything like a mosquito sprayer. Didn't know how serious it was or how serious it wasn't. Cole gets in the boat, he drives it. Bradley gets upset because Cole's just sitting there and letting it idle, and Cole don't know. But why don't Cole know? I mean, it's an honest thing. Why don't he know? Same reason I wouldn't know. If I didn't have anything vested in it, would I have the same attitude as maybe someone else that had something vested in it? I mean, that's as simple, as hard as a lot of things has to be. But again, we have to start somewhere understanding what believing is. Romans 10, uh, verse 8 uh, through 13. Verse 8 says, But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth, in your heart, that that is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Confess with your mouth. I want you to think about that. Confess with your mouth Lord Jesus. So look. Everybody can believe, and there's some truth in just believing. But what do you believe in? When you confess with your mouth, Lord Jesus, what is that saying? What does it say when you read it? What does it say when you think about it? What does it say when you meditate about it? Lord Jesus, that he's over me. That my life is not my life. My life should be the example of... That he's given me, right? I mean, we, we overcomplicate things and we try to sound, you know, uh, uh, super biblical and religious and, and, you know, say and do all these right things. But in, at the end of the day, it's, it's we have to start where the beginning is. I mean, we can't get to God without Jesus, right? We wouldn't be where we're at today without Jesus. Think about where you came from. And you don't have to have, you know, drugs and alcohol and all the immoralities that I had in my life to come from something from afar. I mean, the world's full of sin. I mean, every which way you look, the world's full of it. We all come from something. So to be saved, we're supposed to be a new creature, right? We're supposed to be different. So what looks different about you today than it did before you were saved? Something's got to be different. I mean, I don't know exactly what it should be. For me, it was a lot of things. You know, I I don't drink. I don't do drugs. I'm not chasing, you know, 
all the time and, and carousing. I'm, I'm not thugging, thieving, stealing, which, you know, I'm not doing any of these things. Um, physically, I look different. Um, so again, what is different about us? We're called to be different. Confess, Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. So my question is, is 70% of the world, are we saved? 75, 79, are we saved? Really? I mean, are we saved? Am I saved? That's what we have to ask ourselves every day. Where did I come from? What is any different? I believe. I confess. I continue to confess. I continue to repent. I know I'm saved. But in our walk with Christ, does it look like is are we as good at it? Are we are we as good with Christ as we are with our jobs? I mean, is are we as comfortable? I mean, can you know? For me, you know, whatever you know, building, uh, construction, managing, whatever. I mean, that's just like second nature to me. But even now, a short time into being saved, and I. And I still call it a short time. There's still things that make me uncomfortable. And why does it make me uncomfortable? Because I don't do it enough. The devil's always trying to make me uncomfortable. Because what do we do when things are not comfortable? We get embarrassed. We don't want to do anything. People's looking at us. But now I can go to work and I can run people all day long. I mean, I could do it when not be at work. I could do it in my sleep. I mean, they could call me and I could answer every question that they would ever ask and keep everything running smooth. But when I wake up in the morning, I have trouble when I look at that guy in the mirror. You know, I, I know I need to pray for somebody, but, I, you know, something holds me back from going up and walking up and, and laying hands on them or talking to them or praying with them or asking if I can pray for them or just walking up and praying in general. Telling people to have a blessed day. Do I really want them to have a blessed day? And I'm still working on the happy face. Um, you know, people still say that's the scary guy. I don't see that when I look in the mirror, but evidently my eyes are kind of scaled up and confused. But again, that's things that we, we continue to have to work on and we continue to need uh, to work on. Um, Mark 9, I didn't give him uh, these scriptures. But I'm going to read uh, Mark 9, 23 and 24. It says, Jesus said to him, If you can believe, and I want you to listen. Jesus said to him, If you can believe, all things are possible. So if we can believe, all things are possible. It's easy for me to believe things are all things are possible because I know where God brought me from. Right? I mean, in my eyes, that's, that's kind of a miracle where I come from. I've seen what he kind of kept me from getting involved in. I've seen what he kind of helped, um, you know, keep me alive for. So when you read that and, and it says, Jesus said to him, if you can believe that, basically, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father uh, of the child cried and and said in tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. So again, 
Lord, help me with my unbelief. So all I have to do is believe that all things are possible. So when I mess up, I don't let the devil come in. I don't let the devil get in my mind. I don't let him get uh, uh, rip things out of my out of my grasp and, and point me in the wrong direction. I don't waste a bunch of time and and condemnation and shame and guilt and and all the things that the devil jumps in and does. But all things are possible. And he's talking about living life. Being a Christian is not easy. Jesus said that we're going to suffer. Jesus said that we're going to have problems in our families. Jesus said that we're going to have to compromise or that we're not going to compromise, but life says we're going to have to compromise. I mean, think about all the people that you've met over the years and think about all the things that you've heard them uh, speak and, and talk. You know, they may have been a good example. They may lead a good example, and then something happened in their family, and then they do what? A 180. They start changing. You know, say you're a pastor of a, of a church, and, and your son comes home, and he tells you, you know, after he graduates high school, he comes out of the closet, and he says, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm homosexual. I don't like females. I like males. Uh, this guy's a, a pastor, and he's, he's preaching in a Methodist church. And, and what does he do is he, they go to Gulf Shores, and he marries his son and, her, and, and his, whatever you call it, husband, on the beach. Now, is there truth in that? There's none. But, folks, I'm telling you, the world we live in, we deal with this every day. We live with it every day. Or your son comes home and says, well, you know, Dad, uh, uh, I'm staying in the closet. I'm in my bedroom, but I'm going to move in with my girlfriend. Is that not as astonishing and shocking, too? Right? I mean, now we're starting to get some of that 78, 79% of the folks call themselves Christians. Um, says that they know Christ. Uh, they they believe, they believe in the grace, they understand the grace, but we just heard it wasn't a grace at all costs, right? I mean, church, we got enough going on amongst ourselves. I got enough going on in my own family that constantly I'm, I'm reminded. But the key is, do we kick our kids out? Do we beat them? Do we do we scorn them? Do we not love them? Do we do we do any of that? So then why should we why should we not love anybody else? Does the Bible say not to love them? You know, hate the sin. But I'm gonna tell you it's gonna be hard to hate. It's gonna be hard to have hate in you and do anything. It's taken me a long time. But it's hard to have hate in you to stand against anything. You stand against it because you love. Right? You stand against because you, you can't stand where we're getting into that, that belief. Now, I believe, it, but now I've moved on from believing that what God did for me, but now I'm supposed to do for someone else. So now we're getting into the belief side of it. We're taking some action here. We're doing what God has called us to do. We're loving one another. Sometimes it's hard, especially when it's our own. You know, we're faced with shame and guilt. and Nobody said disown anybody. 
but you do have to stand for what the truth is. They have to be reminded of what the truth is. Right? I mean, think of all the things. I mean, there's nothing that I've seen anybody out in the world has done that's any worse than what I've done. And the reason being is, is God doesn't measure what's worse. Now, sure, we come up with all kinds of things we conjure up in our head that, that, that you know, kind of incites us to different levels. But at the end of the day, I'm here to tell you that heaven will have all these people that you can't stand in it. And you might not be there. Nothing's guaranteed. Again, God has called us to love. Um, and that's how we make a difference. Luke 24, 47 and 49. And it says, And that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endured with the power of high. Again, repentance, remission. So that we know the difference in repentance and remission. So repentance is what I do, and remission is what Jesus has already done. Right? So everything we do is called to repentance. I mean, we can't stay, we can't grow, we can't move, we can't have a belief without repentance. We can't have a belief without believing. I mean, think about it. And, and I've, I've got caught up in it so many times, you know, where you get on that big self-righteous, holy, you know, horse that we ride sometimes. And I, it's been days. And then I have to have one of those prayers where I'm like, well, God, you know, I don't know what all wrong I've done. I have no idea. I mean, it's been a week. You know, it's kind of like, you know, when the Catholics go before the priest. I mean, there is some good to some of that, you know, repetition and muscle memory and all that. Uh, I don't have to go to the church to do it. I can do it at home in my floor. But, you know, sometimes I go before God and I'm like, you know, it's been, to be honest with you, God, I don't know how long it's been. You know, I do a lot of praying. And sometimes I'm, I'm praying for myself, but a lot of times it's praying for others. But then the devil wants me busy over here doing this, but then I forget that, you know, I'm not perfect. But we've all been there, right? We've all thought, well, you know, I'm not doing anything wrong. I didn't do nothing wrong. Haven't? I mean, I've told stories where, you know, well, I didn't do nothing. How many times have you heard your kids say, well, I didn't do it. It ain't my fault. Yeah. Right? I mean, we had to fix a, a, a piece of equipment at work and had to put a belt on it. And I was talking about it the other night. And I said, yeah, some of the kids just tore it up. And one of the kids goes, well, I didn't do it. It was so-and-so. <laughs> right? So don't we do that as Christians too? We never grow out of that. I mean, you know, sometimes we get on this bandwagon of beating up a young folk. 
But what happens is, is you're 50 year old and you act like a 15 year old, right? I mean, my wife can tell you that sometimes I, I get a little juvenile. But again, repentance and understanding that remission, you can't get remission until you ask for repentance, right? I mean, I wonder sometimes just, just how lazy the devil really has gotten. I mean, how easy have we made it for him? How much work does he really have to do? Meanwhile, we're, we're running and, you know, there's so much noise and, and we're so busy and, you know, work is doing this and we put work ahead of everything. We put making money ahead of everything. We put all these things ahead of family. And then we put all of that in front of God. So again, I mean, it's, it's, it's things that we need to look at, we need to think about. Hebrews 11, 6. It says, but without faith it is impossible to please Him. Who is Him? God. I had a preacher one time after I got saved, and, and he goes, well, what do you think? And I said, well, man, I, I, I'm thankful that, you know, uh, thankful that, uh, uh, and I just couldn't say it. It was just, he goes, what are you thankful? Who are you thankful to? And I think sometimes we don't say it enough. Who is Him? God Almighty. The Creator says, But without faith it is impossible to please Him, for he who comes to God must believe that. Who? He? He is. Do we know who God is? And I want to take you back to that 75% of the, the people that are, that, are, that are believing in God. What are they believing in? Who is God to you? Is God your everything? Or is God that person that you've created that, that goes, well, you know what? He's got about ten minutes, and it's time for me to go eat, and my butt's getting numb, and my leg's falling asleep, my ankle's kind of messed up, and i got some neuropathy or something going on, and my foot's swelling, my ankle's swelling. Who is God to you? Yeah. It says, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. How do we seek him? I mean, I tell my kids all the time, you know, I don't, I don't wake up every morning just super eager. And I tell my wife, I'm a morning person, just don't ask me no questions. I'm a morning person, just don't talk to me. Give me a minute. Let me get the cobwebs out of my brain. I've been fighting demons half the night. And she knows it because the bed's all over the place or, or I'm trying to get away from that Waterfield bed for, you know, all her stuff going on. So I'm fighting something all night anyway. But again, do we diligently seek God? Or do we complain? Man, I'd rather be fishing this morning. Of course, ain't nobody rather be fishing right now. Water 92 degrees. Lake ain't that comfortable, is it? It wasn't for us. We went. It's 93 degrees. It's like jumping in the bathtub. Like, yeah, I don't like it. I mean, put my legs in the water hanging off the dock, and I broke out my sweat. 
But now really, I mean, think of all the things that happen. Think about all the things that get in the way. Think about all the things that, that get us going. But meanwhile, the world says you ain't got to go to church. You don't have to go to church. You don't have to be part of a church. Well, is the world out there praying for you when you need them? Is the world out there binding with you when the chips are down? Or is the world feeding you? I mean, is the world doing anything for you? Say, so, well, you know, my boss, well, you provide a service for your boss, and your boss pays you for it. God gives you. God made you. And you've done nothing to deserve it. It's your choice to choose. But again, are we diligently seeking Him? I mean, you know, gas went up, I don't know how many years ago now it is, but I think that's what caused all the churches to quit going to church on, on uh, Sunday night, right? Gas. I mean, you can't get a room in Florida right now if you don't call like three months ahead of time, right? You can't. But we quit going to church because the gas is too high. I mean, look at the interstate. I mean, heck, look at this one exit down here. We have wrecks all the time. And it ain't changed. But again, are we seeking God diligently? I mean, why do we not do some of the things? Again, we're not comfortable. Do you believe? Do you have a belief? And do you know? That's what the question is. To do all of these things, you've got to do them in succession. A lot of times we may believe, but it's just what do we believe? And what is our belief? Our belief should be what's in this word of truth. What is in God's word is what our belief should be. Never change. It ain't changed. It has not changed. There's not one thing changed. Now, the nation has changed, and it will continue to change. And at some point, fire is coming down, and it will definitely be changed at that point. But again, for us, this is the truth. James 2, 18 and 19. It says, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. So again, for these people that oversimplify things and they say, well, all you got to do is believe be saved. Are the demons saved? So there's a little more to it. I mean, you got to read the rest of it. So kind of like Paul Harvey, and here's the rest of the story, right? There's always a rest of the story. I mean, it's easy and it's good, you know, to snap things out. All you got to do is believe. Ain't got to do nothing else. Just believe. Well, where did Satan come from? You don't think he got a relationship? Right? Where do you think he come from? Demons believe. Demons tremble. Jesus speaks, they run. So again, you believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. So we have to understand. Do you believe? What's your belief? Do you believe what the Bible tells you? Or do you believe what the world tells you? 
I mean, look, you can go on YouTube and you can get any preacher you want to get. And some of them do a fantastic job. But how many of us has been at a point in our life that we just keep asking until we get somebody to tell us what we want to hear? It goes along with what we're thinking at that point. Right? I mean, there's just one thing that I have a hot topic that really bugs me about what's going on. It's been going on since uh, the 70s, back in Ginger's day. Roe versus Wade. I mean, how how can that be even remotely right? They say, well, but you've never you've never experienced it. But yes, I have experienced it. And if you've been on the other end of it, how does it happen? What's right about it? What's right about something happening that you knew that never happened until you found out the other side of it? So that 79%, what do they believe? What is their belief? And obviously they know nothing. Right? So again, don't let the world decide, one, what your belief is, and two, what you believe, because at the end of it, you're still going to know nothing. Focus on the only truth that's in all of our lives, and that's the Bible. John 20, 29. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you believe me. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. So physically, I've not seen God. I don't know. Somebody may have. I haven't seen him. But initially, I was blessed just because I believed, even though I hadn't seen him. But tell me you can't see God. Tell me you can't touch God. Tell me when you shut all the noise down around you and you give God, just just give Him a little bit. Tell me it doesn't feel like you're holding hands with God. That God ain't walking you through whatever thing you got going on that you think is the worst thing that's ever happened. Tell me that God's not there. Tell me you don't get a sense of peace. Tell me you know there's no joy. It may not change what you're actually going through, but it will change how you deal with what you're going through. It will change you from reacting to being proactive. So we used to aggravate Daddy on the farm about preventive maintenance. It was pretty much non-existent. It was reactive. So when the hole come in the side of something, then you had to fix it, right? Well, see, we're the same way with our Christian walk. A lot of times we're reactive. When do we come to God? When everything's on fire. But why can't we go to God and be proactive? Why can't we go and speak the truth over the things in our life before they happen? Why can't we come before God with the confidence 
and know that God's going to have our back. Whether it's handled the way we want it handled or not. That's where our faith comes in. That's where some of our works come in. I was working in Calera. Uh, didn't have a choice. I mean, I had a choice. We all got a choice um, in just about everything we do. But financially, I didn't have a whole lot of options. So I was working in Calera. It's 98 miles one way. I didn't want to be there, but I didn't have another job. I mean, I worked for a company. They told me one thing. They did another. I mean, they told a lie. Um, We've all been in similar situations, I'm sure. And yeah, I managed to get through it. But it was not good. I mean, think about it. If you get off 5 o'clock, it's 98 miles before you get back to the house. So it's 7, 8 o'clock, and that's if nobody wrecks. And there's always somebody wrecking. And so I did. I was in clear for probably, uh, I don't know, five, six months. I mean, this is five and six days a week, sometimes seven. And I'm praying every day. God, you know, I don't care. I, I, I'm glad I got a job. I'm glad I can make my payments. I'm glad, you know, and, and all of this. And, and, you know, it wasn't that I was making that bad or anything. It's just, man, it's just so much. I was like, God, just, just find me something. I don't care, Decatur, Huntsville. I don't care what. Well, I don't care what what they pay. Just find me something. I mean, I'm praying every day, all day long. And um, the guy calls one day and he says, "Hey, you looking for a job?" I was like, Ugh. and you know, you never want to be too eager, right? So you never want anybody to know that you want anything from them. I was like, heck yeah. I'm looking for a job. What you got? I don't care what you got. When can you come up here? Well, I don't know. I'll come. When, 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 you, when, you, when, when you want me to come? So I'm going up there, and I never even thought something about the money. And I, to be honest with you, I don't care. Um, but anyway, God worked something out. Um, and it was great. But you know what? It was funny. After I went to work for this company, uh, I can remember telling Jeannie about six months into it, I was like, Whew, I don't know, I think I might have should have stayed in clear. <laughs> so, you know, there's always something that's different than in our little old brain than what God is. I mean, you know, so then I'm like praying. And, you know, and I didn't, but, you know, I thought about it. I was like, well, dang, it's going to be bad to pray to God to, hey, straighten this mess out. You done brought me and put me in a bad place. Have we had those conversations? And then, you know, I just kind of backed up and I said, you know what, God, I appreciate the job. I appreciate the opportunity and just give me strength. And, you know, and it, and it worked out. So sometimes when God does things for us, uh, you know, it's not way what we got figured out. Very seldom is it what we got figured out. But if we just keep giving it to him and thanking him for it, I mean, because it was, it was a blessing. You know, 12 miles versus 98. That's that's wonderful as uh, far as I was concerned. But again, um, you know, have you seen him? Understand that once upon a time you were blessed and you didn't know him. I knew of Jesus. I heard people talk about him. But I didn't know Jesus until I got saved. You know, how many times you heard the preacher say at the end of the service, 
He's like, you know, if you're saved, you know you're saved. And I always wondered, what is he talking about? And he just kept on saying it. You know, if, you, if you're not 100% sure that you're saved, then right here's the altar. And I'm like, you know, what is he talking about? And you know, because I went through as a 15, 16-year-old kid and done some things, and, but I wasn't saved. But I didn't really know I wasn't saved because you don't know what you don't know. And it wasn't until about 16 years ago that I actually gave my life to Christ that I finally know what he's talking about. Look, I'm telling you, if somebody does an altar call and they're talking to you and they're playing music and you feel God pulling on you, then you need to go, whether you're saved or not. You need to go. And I think that's part of the problem we have in this world today is we don't go. We're worried about the things. We're worried about is my belief what I believe in and who I know. I mean, I've been guilty of it. Everybody's been guilty of it. Well, people's going to look at me. They look at you anyway. Chances are whoever's preaching and looking out at all everybody's faces, they know who needs to be there. I mean, it ain't my first rodeo. But again, be blessed. All God wants to do is bless you and your endeavors. But at some point, you got to do around one more verse and we'll call it done. And I didn't give this one to you either. Second uh, Peter 3 and 9 says, The Lord is not slacking concerning his promise, as some count slackness. Yeah, it's a good thing he's nothing like me. But is long-suffering toward us. Long-suffering. So he's willing to suffer for us. I mean, he suffered a lot. I mean, look at, look at my life. I mean, he had a purpose for me. He's got a purpose for each and every one of you. He's waiting, but he's not going to wait forever. Long-suffering doesn't mean internal. Right? So he's long-suffering. He's wanting. He's got a plan for us. It's long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish. Understand that. He does not wish for us to perish. But he's waiting. He's waiting on you to do something. I mean, how many times you volunteer at work? Huh? You know, get double time, triple time, Sunday time. How many times? You know, everything gets stacked up against you. You need money. And the one thing that can turn your life around. All you got to do is step forward. It says, none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Folks, I'm telling you, you can repent right there. You can repent at home. You can repent in the shower. You can repent driving down the road. But God's going to ask you to do something, and he's going to ask you to do it publicly. Right? That's where you step in from that era of believing, this is our belief to knowing to a first person relationship with God. Cole?